Hey guys, this is Nathan from Church in a Brewery, which is a discussion group for people who aren't real sure about church. If you're skeptical, or you just like to explore through conversation more than just listening, or maybe you feel more comfortable in a brewery or a bar than you do in a church setting, then we made this place for you. So this is our week three recap. Last night we had our third church in a brewery meeting on Monday night. And for the first few weeks, I decided to record my topic introduction talk. So if you miss a night or you haven't checked this out yet and you're not sure what you're getting into, you can come here and kind of see what kind of things we talk about. So this is the topic introduction that I gave last night. We were talking about what are the writings in the Bible about Jesus in the New Testament? Can we trust them? Were they written hundreds of years after the events? Were they accurate or did they morph into legend? In fact, I decided to pick this topic because over the first couple weeks of our meetings, some people asked me, wasn't the Bible written like 300 years after Jesus died? That's a really good question and a really common one. It was only a few years ago where I was asking this question myself. So let's talk about these books of the Bible and uh, where they come from. You probably heard of something called the Gospels, and that refers to four books of the Bible that give a perspective on Jesus's life. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four books tell the same story, just from different angles. They are eyewitness testimony. It's important to note that these are not the only books written by eyewitnesses. They're just the ones that give us a glimpse of Jesus's life. So I gave this car crash analogy. Imagine there's a car accident and there are four people observing the same accident from different perspectives. So if a police officer comes to this accident and they're going to interview people to find out what happened here, who is at fault? Well, what are they going to do? They're probably going to interview the witnesses. Each of these witnesses has a different perspective. For instance, maybe one of them was actually riding in one of the cars that was wrecked. They're a passenger, so they've got a perspective. Maybe somebody else was like walking down the sidewalk and they have a totally different perspective of this accident. Maybe there's even somebody else who didn't see the accident, but they showed up right after so they could see where the cars were sitting. And from that, you can kind of tell some details. Like maybe there were some crazy track marks through somebody's yard so you could tell that maybe one of the cars was driving recklessly or something like that. Point being, there were several different witnesses of this car crash that all saw different perspectives of it. So nobody denies that the crash happened. They're all describing the same event, but maybe each perspective has a different focus and they're going to give you different details. So not contradictory, but complementary. If you put them all together, you get a more full picture and these witnesses' stories corroborate each other so that we can say, oh, okay, it seems like everybody agrees that this crash happened and it was this car's fault. Something like that. I compare the witnesses to a car crash like this to the authors of the Gospels. These people who are writing about Jesus' life each had a different perspective, but they were all there. Now, the interesting thing is there are a lot of writings about Jesus. Tons of writings. Some were written by eyewitnesses and some were not. So let's talk about some of the other writings about Jesus that were not included in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of the movie Da Vinci Code, or the book, by Dan Brown, I believe. These were based on something called the Gnostic Gospels, which were writings about Jesus that were not included in the Bible. 
and the Quran. The Quran actually talks about Jesus, but it has a totally different story about who Jesus was. The Mormon Bible has a different take on Jesus. And then on top of all of that, there are non-religious writings about Jesus. Things from historians. Some of these documents don't agree with each other. Like, some of them say that Jesus was celibate, he was single his whole life, never had kids, never had a wife. But the writings that the Gnostic Gospels and the Da Vinci Code were based on say that Jesus actually had a wife and kids. So that's interesting, because now we're starting to discover that some of these witnesses of the life of Jesus do not agree with each other. They're contradicting each other. We're faced with this question. Which of these writings do we trust? Which ones are reliable and which ones are not? Well, if I was going to approach this investigation, I would take the exact same approach that I would if I were a police officer coming up on this car crash. I've got a number of witnesses, and I want to figure out who do I interview about this crash to figure out whose fault it was. Or maybe you're an insurance agent and you're trying to assign fault. Who are you going to interview? We've got some options. We'd probably interview the people involved in the crash first. We'd probably interview anybody who saw the crash with their own eyes, so eyewitnesses. Maybe the people, again, who showed up after the scene of the crash. But what about maybe people who heard about the crash from a friend? I mean, we could learn some information there. It's probably not quite as valuable as somebody who saw it firsthand. But what about this? Would we interview people who heard about the crash from another person who heard about the crash from another person who heard about the crash. I mean, now we're talking about third or fourth hand information. Where do you draw the line? Well, I would probably want to draw the line at least after second hand information. And we'd probably want to focus on those first hand eyewitnesses. Really, the only reason that I would go to second hand sources is if I couldn't get a hold of the people who were actually there or actually saw the crash. But the farther you go down the chain, the greater the odds are that maybe the story got corrupted a little bit. So we're probably going to want to cut out some of those sources that were third and fourth hand information. Let's say I had five or six witnesses to this car crash, and they all give me the exact same story, and they all think that the exact same driver was at fault. I'm probably in pretty good shape, right? Let's say days later somebody else comes down to the police station and they have a totally different story about what happened at the crash and who was at fault. Now I'm confused because I thought I knew what happened at the crash. I thought I knew who was at fault. And this person's story just threw me for a complete loop, right? Well, what am I going to want to know? I'm going to want to know, where did this person get this information? Were they actually at the crash site? Was there anyone else around to confirm their story? If I find out that they were actually there and saw the crash, and they saw something that the other witnesses didn't see, maybe I've got something I need to check out there. What? What if I find out that that's like fourth or fifth hand information? What if it's just some rumor and the rest of the evidence doesn't support it at all? I'm probably going to cut that away. And I can focus on the original story because I had enough witnesses, I had enough evidence, and it's cohesive. This is really the same approach that we can take with the Bible to figure out if it's accurate or not. And like I said before, there are so many writings about Jesus that it can be very confusing. We want to put our detective hats on and trace that information back to the source. The reason the books of the New Testament were chosen to be in the Bible was because the writers were eyewitnesses. Like, they actually knew Jesus, witnessed these events, and so the stories that they tell are first-person stories. They're not second- or third-hand information, with the exception of the book of Luke. 
Luke is kind of like the police officer that shows up at a crash site and interviews everybody who was an eyewitness. He basically interviewed all of the people who were close to Jesus and who witnessed some of the events in the Bible and wrote a report and put it in order. So the book of Luke, it's not an eyewitness testimony. It's like a detective report. So that's kind of cool. Now, over the past few weeks, people have been asking me this question. They asked, wasn't the Bible written like 300 years after Jesus died? And like I said before, that's a really common question. And so I asked everybody in the room, raise your hand if you've heard this before, if you've heard that the Bible was written 300 years after Jesus died. Every single person raised their hand. They had heard that before. So here's where that's coming from. In 325 AD, there was something called the Council of Nicaea, That's when all these church leaders got together to put together the books that make up the Bible that we have today. Now, the thing is, all of the books of the Bible were already written, but the church leaders actually saw that there were all these different versions of the story that were starting to emerge, and we needed to know which information can we trust, which version of this story is correct. So what they did was they got together and they decided to trace the story backwards, right? So they looked at a whole bunch of documents that made claims about Jesus and who he was and what his life was like. And they realized that for the first 100, maybe 150 years, everybody was telling the same story about who Jesus was and who he claimed to be and the crazy things that happened in the New Testament. But after about 150 years or so after Jesus' death, these new stories started to emerge with different details like Jesus had a wife and kids. New information from, you know... Third, fourth, fifth-hand information, maybe even, maybe even more distant than that. So we have to ask the question, why did the story stay the same for 100 years or 150 years? And then why did it suddenly start to change? That's kind of weird. Well, if you think about it, for the first 100 years or so after Jesus' life, there were a ton of people who were still alive who could confirm what happened in the Bible. So if somebody came forward with a different story and they said Jesus had a wife and kids— There were a ton of other people around who knew Jesus, and that could be checked out. Like, somebody could go ask them and say, Hey, I heard that Jesus had a wife and kids. Is this true? Well, they're going to say, No, I knew him, and he was single his whole life. But a hundred years later, if somebody writes down that Jesus had a wife and kids, or they write a rumor down, nobody is alive who was an eyewitness to correct that statement. So that's interesting. For me personally, any new information that shows up 150 or 200 years after Jesus' life, I'm kind of skeptical of that. I'm probably not going to give it as much stock as I would give to the writings that were written by people who were actually alive when Jesus was around. These are the kind of choices that the people at the Council of Nicaea were making in 325 AD when they put the Bible together. So they weren't writing the Bible. It was already written. They were just sorting out which books of the Bible were written by eyewitnesses, which is confirmed, and what can we throw out? What was written too late in history to trust? What looks like a late rumor? Stuff like that. I have heard that there are some Gospels that were actually accurate, but they don't give any new information about Jesus, and they weren't written by an eyewitness, so they didn't make it into the Bible. So if you want to look into this yourself, There are a couple books that I would recommend that actually trace this journey. They look at each of the Gospels and every single historical 
writing we have about Jesus, even written by hostile sources who maybe didn't believe in Christianity and things like that, but they confirm things about Jesus that are in the Bible. Uh, these two sources are Cold Case Christianity. We also have a website called coldcasechristianity.com and Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. Both of these guys actually did their own investigation of whether or not they could trust the Bible. So just like the different perspectives in that car crash analogy, their books are two different investigations that come to the same conclusion. So that's pretty cool. So of the books of the New Testament that talk about Jesus's life, which one was written first? The book of Mark is the first book of the New Testament, and it's probably the oldest document in the Bible about Jesus's life. This book is actually Peter's eyewitness testimony, and Mark is thought to be the scribe that wrote it down as Peter was teaching. All right, now here's a 90s cartoon analogy. Have you ever seen Batman Beyond? In that show, Bruce Wayne is retiring because he's like too old to be Batman. So he picks somebody else to train. I think his name is Terry McGinnis or Terry Guinness. This guy goes around in a futuristic bat suit and Bruce Wayne, the original Batman, is always in his ear on a headset, kind of walking him through all these different situations. He trains Terry to be the next Batman. Well, similarly, when Jesus was alive, he picked 12 people to follow him around and he trained them. They went everywhere he went and they heard Jesus give his main teaching probably hundreds of times. So everywhere they went, Jesus teached the same message over and over again. Peter is one of those guys who's following Jesus around. This is important because when we read the book of Mark, knowing that this is actually Peter's testimony about Jesus, we know that whatever Peter is saying, he's repeating what Jesus taught, and he heard this message probably a hundred or more times. And I would think it'd be really hard to forget something that I heard that many times. And he was with Jesus all the time, asking him questions, and Jesus was clarifying what he meant. So that way, we know that Peter and the other 11 guys can retell Jesus's message accurately. If I think that through a little bit, that helps me trust what this book says a little bit more. The reason I'm telling you all of this background about these books is because the very first verse of Mark makes an absolute whopper of a claim. The very first verse of the book of Mark says this, This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Great Scott, dude. Like, is that an outrageous claim or what? I don't think anybody is arguing that that is not a controversial statement. So, yeah, we're faced with a really outrageous claim. If you're feeling skeptical about the author of this book or about that statement, that's probably completely normal. But hang with me here. I would say this. There is enough evidence behind this statement and there are enough witnesses to corroborate what this verse says that this is really worth investigating to see if there's actually anything behind it. So if you're skeptical, hang in there and it's worth investigating. So step one of that investigation, I think, is this. Can we trust the source? Can we trust Mark? Can we trust the writers of all the books of the New Testament? That's the journey that we're on right now. And we'll continue to investigate that each week. But that's the end of my topic introduction for week three. At this point in the evening, I turned it over to table discussion. So people got to talk about three questions at their tables and we had some really good discussion. Three questions I asked are this. You might think through these in your head or 
Maybe sit down and talk about them with a friend. But question number one was, are you able to conduct a fair investigation of the source, even though we're faced with a claim that is uh, pretty outrageous sounding? Question two was, what would it take for you to be able to trust the early writings about Jesus? What kind of reassurance do you need? And number three was, what have you heard about Jesus that might have been from a source written much later in history than the Bible? At the end of the night, some people asked some questions about different religions. Uh, Mormonism came up, and there's another church in town that claims that Jesus came back in the 80s as a Korean guy. And they were basically asking, what do I do with information like this that pops up? How do I know if this is true or not? I've been there. Early on when I started looking into Christianity and trying to figure out, is this thing legit or not? Um, I pretty much looked at every major religion and looked at its origin to try to figure out when was this written? Are there any other witnesses to corroborate what this writer said? Um, things like that. Honestly, it's my opinion that when God makes a claim, he gives us an abundance of evidence and many, many sources and many reasons to believe. So if there's only one source, I don't have enough information to corroborate it and I can't trust it. So if I hear an unusual claim about Jesus and I don't have other confirming sources, then I toss it out just like I would toss out a document that makes a new claim about Jesus 200 or 300 years after he died. I think those can be really helpful guidelines, and really, I mean, just those simple rules cleared up a lot of confusion for me. So I'll leave it up to you. I think those can be some helpful guidelines, and I hope that they'll help you kind of narrow down what information you can trust and what information you can put your faith in. I hope you enjoyed this topic. If you have any questions on it, you can Facebook us. We're under Brewery Ministries, or you can go to breweryministries.org and shoot us an email. We meet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. at Augustino Brewing in Wichita, Kansas. So if you want to come out next week, we're going to hop back on our Evidence for God series, and we're going to be talking about part two of Origin of the Universe. Is there a God? Is there a reasonable case for the existence of God? And what kind of being or thing could be responsible for making this universe we live in? I know COVID is kind of ramping up in Sedgwick County here, so we're doing our best to stay safe. Some people have asked me some questions since they may be closing down the bars. And uh, as of right now, uh, Augustino Brewing is actually classified as a restaurant because they serve food. And we're classified as a church. So we believe at this point we're actually able to stay open and we're small enough that we're able to social distance and all that. So uh, we should still be meeting next week, but keep an eye on our Facebook page. If restaurants do shut down, that probably, as far as I understand, would cause us to have to pause things for a little bit, and then we'll move to just online stuff temporarily. But as of right now, we should still be meeting even if the bars close. For the latest information, check out our Facebook page, Brewery Ministries or breweryministries.org. So hope to see you guys next week and take care.